Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Girl Mates Show, the relationships podcast for people in a relationship with TV. We've got some fun stuff today and some not fun stuff today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's back to um, our regular programming of downers. Yeah, and sorry, but that's what we have to work with and you gotta watch it. But we'll start with the fun stuff. Yeah. Um... If you didn't know already, it's um, Women's History Month, and last week it was um, International Women's Day, so we're all about that. So we're going to talk about our top three female characters from TV shows. Yeah, and it was really fun creating these lists, but Mm -hmm. difficult to rank them. Yeah, I was just going to say it feels kind of weird to rank them because it feels like we're like pitting them against each other. Like, ooh, you weren't good enough to be my number one. (laughs) But really, it's like, for me at least, I feel like it's like who I aspire to be or relate to the most or like, not even that actually. It's just different. Yeah. Really ranking them as far as like how good they are. It's like, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) At least they're not real people. Yeah. They're just fake people. We're not like picking our friends. Our MySpace top eights. No. I mean, kind of. I mean, we'll just dive into it. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, should I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Who's your top three? I made you go last week. Um, So, my number three, I chose Olivia Pope from Scandal. Good, powerful choice. And I know we've talked about Scandal a little bit before. I can't remember. Have you ever watched it? I've watched the first season. Okay. Um, She just... You really feel her... I really think she was trying to do the best and, like, most um, ethical work. But sometimes it didn't always work out, which I think is normal. And... Yeah, I think that she was just, like, a really powerful woman who knew what she wanted some of the times and um, would kind of go after that. She wasn't perfect, by all means, but um, I thought I really liked the way that she treated her, like, employees. Well, again, at some point, but, like, (laughs) her employees were, like, her best friends, and yeah, I just thought that she was... Her character, sometimes they made her character make decisions that I didn't really feel like fit her, but as a whole, she pretty much stayed consistent and um, always made scary decisions and was never really fearful. And I think that that was really cool to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, um, especially like probably 10 years ago. Mm hmm. It was, I feel like it seemed kind of hard to find roles for women where they were, like, very confident in their jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, it was more a plot point that they weren't confident. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Olivia Pope is one of the female characters that kind of changed that. Mm -hmm. Totally. I agree with that. Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you. Um, My number three is actually from a reality show. So not technically a character. Okay. Um, but she's one of my heroes, and it's Danielle Evans, who's the winner of American, uh, America's Next Top Model Cycle <laughs> 6, because she's basically perfect. She is the best model that whole season. 
even though there were a lot of girls that were really amazing too. But she's so good. And um, she's probably the funniest girl there that whole season. And um, like really goofy and not mean not at all. Not just a pretty face. No. She's really intelligent. Um, talks about all the things she's overcome in her life. So she's like really inspirational. Um, but she's not just that either. Like she's just not just a sob story. And there's a lot of, I mean, obviously in classic ANTM fashion, there's like a lot of drama and crazy people in their house and stuff. But she was always like a listening ear, but not involved. She'd be like, nope, like I'm not getting involved with your psychotic business. Mm -hmm. And I just, every time I watch that season, she, I find her very inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) What is she up to now? She's still modeling. I follow her on Instagram and I think... Uh, Jay Manuel and Miss J both still follow her too. That warms my heart. That's cute. But like, she's genuinely one of my idols, and I just really respect her. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I it's didn't kinda... even think about reality shows. I should have been thinking about that. But well, it was funny because I was kind of just looking at lists of like every show, mm-hmm. um, to kind of like spark my memory, and. Yeah, it's just, I saw that and I was like, oh, I do. Really? I love that girl. Yeah. Perfect. Um, My number two is Dr. Christina Yang from mm. um, Grey's Anatomy. Such a good pick. I feel like everyone stopped watching Grey's Anatomy when um, Patrick Dempsey's character died, but I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy for the most part after... Um, Sandra left because she was my favorite part. I mean, yeah, obviously I love Patrick Dempsey, but Sandra O, oh, like, again, she was just like, she was so smart and she knew it and she was the best and she knew it and she wasn't afraid. And sometimes she was like a little cocky, but, um, she also was just a really good friend and, I feel like if you know me, that's very important to me. And so I love that she was able to do what she wanted and do what she was really good at and never lost. Well, I'm not going to say never, but was for the most part a really good friend as well and like looked out for others and was always there for people. So yeah, I'm sad they lost her because it really hasn't been the same since. And I think that was the main reason why. In my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is spot on. Her, she just brought such a, um, like, the most interesting dynamic to the whole show. Mm -hmm. Like, Meredith isn't a bad character, but Christina was, like, the life of the show. Totally. And, well, and them together. Their Mm -hmm. friendship. Their friendship. I think I stopped watching right before that. But then when I found out she wasn't even on the show anymore, it was really sad Mm -hmm. like she could have honestly carried the show yeah it's true i would have watched a spinoff of her Mm -hmm. that'd be awesome yang's anatomy (laughs) (laughs) i I love it already my number two is linda belcher from bob's burgers um one thing i love about her is that um she really defies kind of the cliche of like the wife and mom on because Bob's Burgers is basically a sitcom that just happens to be animated, mm-hmm. 
And typically, like in 90s sitcom fashion, um, the wife and mom is like the buzzkill and like the only one that will bring everyone back to reality. And Linda is definitely not that. I mean, she and Bob kind of trade off of like, who's gonna tell the other one they're acting crazy. But usually she's like just on board with whatever the kids want to do. And she loves having fun. And I love things that um, make adulthood look fun. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's hard to find those kinds of things. And um, I want things that make me like want to settle down and like <laughs> be a mom and still let you like enjoy life mm-hmm. and have like weird quirks even when you are supposed to be taking care of your kids like you could still be you mm-hmm. and that is how I would describe Linda Belcher she's I just love that. very much herself and is still loving life mm-hmm. so yeah I love her I aspire to be like Linda Belcher wow I wish we could all be Linda Belcher. (laughs) (laughs) The world would be a better place. I'm sure it would. Um, Okay, my number one is not going to be a surprise. Um, But I gotta give it to Peggy Olsen. I was, I hadn't like guessed what you were going to say, but I was like, okay, it's gotta be Mad Men. Yeah. I didn't know if you were going to choose Peggy or Joan. Yeah, that's actually, I had had, t- had a tough time deciding between the two as well. But I think I like um, Peggy. I chose Peggy because her personality is not as strong as Joan, but she was able to get the things she wanted more than Joan, even though you would look at the two and think that Joan kind of always got what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would, because... I think that so much of it's like all kind of with their methods, Mm -hmm. like Joan manipulated men Mm -hmm. because that was she knew her power. And it's not like because like any fault of hers. Mm -hmm. It's like that is how she learned to operate in a system completely run by men. Yep. And Peggy was like super stubborn, Mm -hmm. even though Joan basically told her, like, you're never going to get what you want if you aren't super feminine basically Mm -hmm. and like flirt your way to the top or more Mm -hmm. but like peggy did it more so on her own terms and i think like the second half of mad men that totally comes out Mm -hmm. with different plot lines and joan starts seeing that she's not as happy as she could be if she hadn't made certain decisions Mm -hmm. whereas peggy really just kind of from the get-go like announced she's like you're not gonna sleep with me I'm not here to be a sexual object. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to kind of play that tease role because that didn't feel true to her. Mm-hmm. And it's not, that really comes off as sounding like, oh, any woman that tries to play to those certain strengths is like super bad and deserves to be punished or something like that. And that's not really what I mean. No. I think it's just that Peggy, I mean, in the first episode, she kind of tries that on and fails miserably like it's just not her yeah and so she's like okay well that's not how i'm gonna be able to get what i want so what am i gonna do how am i going to stay true to my personality Mm -hmm. and she's not perfect she make like she isn't tactful the whole way through well there was this quote in this hollywood report article that i really 
thought was very true. And they say she's naive enough to voice her opinion. She's naive enough to ask for a raise. She's naive enough to insert herself in these situations. It's kind of a lack of fear that gets her into these rooms. And it's kind of gotten her where she is. And it's I, perfect. Yeah. Like, I... Because it's true because I think I'm too... What's the opposite of naive? Um, I mean, kind of like knowing, but also maybe like a little jaded. Like cynical. Yeah, yeah I guess I, I'm too much of all those words. Because you have to be a little... Um, like, sometimes you're more optimistic when you are a little naive Mm -hmm. which is sad where i'm gonna think of every single possible outcome and probably plan on the worst one where i don't think that peggy really even thought of any sort of outcome she just did it because she felt like she deserved it Mm -hmm. and whether or not she did um was a different story so yeah it's almost like she saw her male counterparts like the other male copywriters Mm -hmm. And how they would approach a situation. And she's like, okay, that's how I'm going to approach a situation too. Totally. I don't care that I'm a woman. Well, and because she didn't have, um, I mean, that's what she saw. That's like what she was surrounded by. So why wouldn't she act like that? Yeah. Yeah. So she's pretty cool. Yeah, she rules. And I love that she is a really flawed character. Like there are times where like... You're so mad at her mm-hmm. throughout the show. And she is, she does do really rude, selfish things a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's interesting because I think that you could say that she has to learn, like, the typical cliche female traits are like compassion and sympathy. And she does not have those. No. Like, she has to learn those traits from, I would say, Stan, mm-hmm. who's a dude, but he's much more sensitive. To certain things than she is and so in some ways like they make a good pair because he helps balance those things out in her yeah but they're kind of typical more feminine traits mm-hmm. well and um something I, i've been thinking about um unlikable female characters a lot since um lena dunham kind of talked about that a lot with her show camping um how like people were so annoyed with the lead character that jennifer gardner plays and she's like that's the point like yeah we need more female characters but we they aren't don't all need to be like lovable and perfect like that's not all women are Mm -hmm. like you're still allowed to not like someone and like disagree with them and um yeah and that's exactly why we need more exposure to a more uh wide variety of female characters yeah more representation of mm-hmm. unlikable people. Yeah, totally. Because especially because, like, if you make a show about an anti-hero male character, it will probably be an award-winning show. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love shows like that. It's true. But also, what's the problem with making more about women, too? Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, Mad Men, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like, Don Draper is a terrible human being. But... If that were a show about a woman, yeah, it would never get the awards that Mad Men did or didn't receive. <laughs> no, but it's so true. Well, that's a really great choice. Thank you. Um, My number one is also not really a surprise, but it's Elaine Bennis mm-hmm. from Seinfeld. I had a feeling. She... I mean, she's the first, when we decided we were going to do this for our top three, that she was the first one that came to mind. Mm-hmm. 
first of all, she's freaking hilarious. Um, she, at times, to me, is the, like, every plotline of hers and every line delivery is the funniest of the whole cast. She's so funny. Um, and her physical comedy, I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is um, perfect at physical comedy. Like, the, the faces she can make and, like, the control of, like, an eye twitch. It's astounding. On Veep, it's crazy. And on Seinfeld, it's just as, um, like, a more of a showcase of her crazy talent. Mm-hmm. Like, just the eye twitching, the eye rolls, just, I, I, she's perfect. Um, and it also kind of comes back to, I love this character. It was, it kind of is like what I was saying about Linda Belcher, like, kind of the cliche sitcom female characters Mm -hmm. she's not that cliche at all like she's very um like i mean she talks all the time about how she like doesn't want to have kids and she dates around and doesn't want to settle down and stuff but it's also like she's this beautiful woman but she's not really sexualized Mm -hmm. like i've uh thinking about when she won the mark twain prize i was just gonna mention that yeah and I looked up the exact quote from Tina Fey when she said, In the early 90s, at a time on network TV when actresses were expected to have great timing and great tans and great eating disorders, <laughs> Julia made the bold choice for her character, Elaine Bennis, to wear long, loose dresses, flat shoes, and oversized coats. She didn't even need to give us midriff. No, and she was still, like, dating guys and having dating experiences. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She dates... I mean... Because they make jokes about how Jerry has a new girlfriend every week. She has a new boyfriend almost every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I appreciated that. Yeah, I love that. She's just kind of like the anti, um, not anti-feminine. Like, she's still feminine without, like, and not in the typical way. Yeah. Just- and she's another one where she's, like, well, she changes her job a lot, but, like, her work is a huge part of her storylines. Mm-hmm. But she's just, she's a true icon. She really is. So she's she's my number one. I love I love Elaine so much. Well, your number one leads into my number one bonus, which is Selena Meyer. I mean, one of the most unlikable women on TV, right? It's, but like, mm-hmm. it really is an anti-hero show. Yeah, deep. totally. But you're still rooting for her, even though like, why? <laughs> like you know she's not a good president. No, but like. <laughs> We don't want Jonah either. Heck no. I'm so excited for the next season. Me too. It's going to be amazing. Also, we're going to be in trouble because we're getting to a point where we're going to be watching shows week by week. (laughs) Ugh. It's going to be awful. I know. We're going to have to be like, have kind of a Veep moment where we kind of talk about the episode. Is Veep released on um, Sundays? Yeah. So it's going to be... Veep and Throne Sundays. Does it overlap? I'm assuming so. Oh my gosh. When does Veep start? I don't remember. I'll look it up real quick. I thought it was... I mean, it's, it's super March soon. April, right? Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't think about the overlap. Big spring for HBO. Seriously. The final seasons of their two biggest shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, April 7th. Yeah, so overlap. Oh, sorry. It lists... Episode two first. The huh? premiere is on March 31st. Okay, I was going to say, I thought it was an M month. <laughs> that's wild. An M month. <laughs> wow, that's going to be busy Sundays. Yeah. Um, 
Also, I know that you love Amy Bruckheimer. I do. We are soul sisters. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like one of the first things I learned about you when we became friends was when you did... Remember those tweets that was like, describe yourself in three fictional characters? Uh Uh-huh. I remember Amy was one of yours. That's so funny. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she was. Um... She just, like, gets down to business and doesn't like to deal with people's bull crap. (laughs) And, um... That's exactly how she would say it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the one part where we're not the same. Actually, maybe. I don't know. You've got a, um... Your potty mouth isn't nearly to her level, but... I hope not. You do a good job. (laughs) If it is, then please let me know. I did not include Tammy Taylor... On my top three, because Mm -hmm. I feel like I could literally put her on every single list we ever make. Yeah. Anything that's positive is her to me. But um, also it was hard because on Friday Night Lights, I also love Tyra. Yeah. I find her super inspirational. And Tammy's perfect, um, but she's already at perfect. Like, she doesn't have to get more perfect. Tyra grows a ton over the whole series. Yeah, that's true. And I find her super interesting, especially because she starts the show in a very, um, it could have gone really cliche, really predictable. And she really surprised me because when I first started Friday Night Lights, I was like, oh, okay, so she's like the girl who sleeps around Mm -hmm. and all the guys want her boring. Mm -hmm. But no, she's actually way more than that. Yeah, she's probably my third favorite character after well, it's hard. She's, like, tied with Riggins for third of okay. my favorite characters, I yeah, think, yeah. after Tammy and Coach, obviously. But um, but it, that also brings me to, yet again, Game of Thrones. Yeah, we could probably do a whole episode of female characters from Game of Thrones. Literally. Like, one thing that I um, was thinking about when I was kind of just reflecting on female characters was that when the first episode of Game of Thrones started... Um, I was like, okay, so you have Arya's the tomboy, and Sansa's kind of the snooty, girly girl, mm-hmm. Cersei's evil, and Daenerys is going to be like, I a was spoiled like, brat. well, and I was kind of like, I can tell that she's eventually going to be a badass, yeah. and like, she starts all demure, mm-hmm. but, I, but it's actually, all of them defy all of those stereotypes. One of the main reasons why I think I liked Game of Thrones way more than I ever thought I would is because the female characters are actually much stronger than the male characters. Yes. Like, all of them combined, like, all of the men combined don't even reach, like, half of the women. No. Someone I was talking to said that all of the female characters are so much more ruthless than the men. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like because they've had to be hardened because everyone underestimates them. Mm -hmm. Like, it's actually so cool because the show is all about underdogs. Mm -hmm. Like, the the most compelling characters to me, like Tyrion, for example, not a woman, but he's underestimated his whole entire life. And he's probably the best male character. Yeah, for sure. Not even probably. We know that. He definitely is. Um... But even because, yeah, you could say Arya's still kind of a tomboy, but it goes so much further than that. Because even in um, the early seasons before, uh, before like, they all kind of go on these journeys, mm-hmm. um, the fact that she, like, doesn't take it from Joffrey 
Mm-hmm. Like, she straight up, like, slaps him, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is different than her just, like, I don't like pretty dresses. Mm-hmm. She's, like, has way more depth than that. And, like, she's scary. And then, like, Sansa, her character development is beyond. Well, yeah, I think her character development is my favorite. Because, to me, like, at the beginning, you kind of think she's weak and dumb and, mm-hmm. like, just a little... Like, prissy. Girl, but she is a little girl and, like, hasn't really um, figured out how to handle hard things. Mm-hmm. And she is kind of just, like, thrown into it and has to figure it out. And, like, she'll always surprise you because she always does the right thing and does it in the most badass way. I, yeah, in season seven, there was just the most amazing Sansa yeah. moment. I was, like crying and it wasn't i mean it's kind of a violent moment <laughs> but it was i was just like ecstatic i was like yes that's our girl yeah um but even like cersei lannister like she's not she's super open about her intentions like mm-hmm. she's honestly very rarely actually two-faced because she's just openly pretty like bad and she doesn't care what she has to do to get her what she wants mm-hmm. but it's there's still so much depth there compared to like Joffrey or Ramsay, who oh, I think totally. are like just straight up because evil. Cersei also isn't just straight up evil. She also was a mother, and like her love for her children was pure and real. Yeah, and um, so like there was still a lot of like conflicting feelings on that aspect where like Joffrey had no love for anyone. Mm-hmm. Like he was just a straight up evil dude. Yeah, like, she's, you could never really say she's a sociopath, because he, Joffrey was a sociopath, he had no feelings for anybody. Mm -hmm. She has really, like, real love for her family. Yeah. For her children. Um, And there's just so much, there is true pain in her history. Mm -hmm. And so, it's, like, the way that she learned how to play the game. It's kind of like, back to the Joan-Peggy discussion, actually, a little bit, because she was like, okay, so this is my life. Well, I'm going to, like, what I'm going to do is 100% always put myself and my children first. And I don't care who you are. If you threaten that, you're gone. Off with your head. Yeah. Literally. So, very... I've just been so surprised at how compelling those characters really are. Bran of Tarth. Freaking... You know what? They're so like she might be my everyone. F- she is oh, I love Brienne so much. And again, I feel like because I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, but I went in watching Game of Thrones knowing a lot of stuff already. Taylor went in pretty blindly, which I'm really jealous of. <laughs> um Well, I always knew I was going to watch it so I would avoid stuff, but you never thought you would really watch it, so no, you read a lot about I it. I was pretty anti. Yeah, and so I would read a lot about it. Um, just out of curiosity. Because if you post an article that says, like, wow, the most shocking twist of all time, then I'm probably going to read it, even if I don't watch that show. Yeah. It's very tempting to me. Um, But, like, I feel like I would see things about certain characters, and I was like, oh, that's the one that I'm supposed to love. But then, like, I would fall in love with them. Like, Brienne of Tarth is so amazing because she, like, her method of living her life in this awful world of this show is, like, I'm true to my word. 
Mm-hmm. And kind of like, if you get in the way of me keeping my word, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to... I feel like the women are the ones in the show who who stick to their, like, mantras. Totally. And the men... I Not across the board. I want to kind of think of men that I think live up to that as well. But I feel like a lot of the male characters are kind of like... They'll make exceptions and mm-hmm. flounder. Mm-hmm. And that's how they kind of screw themselves over. Yeah. Whereas, like, and Danny is, like, um, my whole motivation is freeing the enslaved and the trodden down. Mm-hmm. And so that, and so if you get in her way of doing that, you're burned up. Burned up. <laughs> burning up. Burning up. For yes. you, Danny. <laughs> oh, man. We, I got, we found our theme song. It's actually funny because... Joe Jonas. Mm-hmm. There's a Sophie lot of ties Turner. to Game yeah. of Thrones. But yeah, that is the term paper I would write if I were in college right now. Oh, 100%. The fact There's that so many to choose from. Seriously. Well, because it's like, it's. I think it is really interesting that you can really define what each character's motivation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could write five pages on each woman. Oh, for sure. Single spaced, front and back. Mm-hmm. Size nine font. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Um, the first TV news that I want to talk about, because I'm pretty intrigued by it, there's a show, um, coming out that a lot of really good people have been cast in. It's called, um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and, um, it's a musical dramedy starring Mm -hmm. Jane Levy, who's, um, she was in Castle Rock and she's, like, best friends with Mae Whitman. All of our best friends. Yeah, basically. Jenny Slate. And she's been cast in it, and so is Mary Steenburgen, who is in Elf and um, Step Brothers, and I love her. Yeah, I love her too. Skylar Astin, who I have a huge fatty crush on from mm. Pitch Perfect, um, and Peter Gallagher was just cast in it. Ugh. And it's a musical show, and it's about this girl named Zoe who people um, just like randomly sing musical numbers to her <laughs> and no one else can like see them um that's fun yeah oh and um one of the people involved is paul feig mm. so i'm really intrigued by it i think it'll be fun i have another paul feig thing actually really because did you watch the new preview for the new um movie on netflix with uh jane the virgin no that's a news I have, but I wasn't prepared to share that news. Um, Paul Feig was a producer on a new Netflix movie with um, Gina Rodriguez, Brittany Snow, and DeWanda Wise. And it is kind of like Bridesmaids-ish. Yay! And I watched the trailer, and it looks like it's gonna be really good. Oh my gosh. So, do you know when it comes out? Yeah, it comes out April 19th. Yay! So many good things coming yeah. out. I think you'll... You should watch the trailer. I feel like you'll be, you'll really like it. Cool. I love Bridesmaids, and I really like all those people, so... Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. Um. Also, Lucy Hale was just cast in the Riverdale spinoff... Cat Keen? Is that what's pronounced? I don't know. I don't know that character. I don't either. Oh, Katie Keen. I'm dumb. <laughs> don't talk about my friend like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's on the CW. Um, she posted, like, um, all the characters 
um, from the comics. And like, I wonder who else will be cast. And I hope it. I hope she does well. Yeah, I really I like sad. her. Yeah, I like her too. And I was sad that her last CW show wasn't picked up again. Not that I watched it, but I was just sad for her because I like her. Same. I did not watch it either, <laughs> but I want success for her. Yeah. I feel like the girls on PLL actually made it look easy. You totally. know what I mean? Like, I think people maybe would assume they're not great at acting. Mm-hmm. And some were better than others, for sure. Yeah. But I think that they made that kind of, like, campy... Um, over the top drama acting look actually easy, and yeah. she's was really good on that show. She was really she's, good, and she's funny. Um, I first of all, it's been really exciting because with South by Southwest, um, last weekend, Taika Waititi has been in the news quite a bit. They aired the premiere of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show, which I st- I've watched more trailers for. It. I still haven't laughed like once in any trailer it just feels like in particular there's one character that seems to just be kind of doing an impression of combining jemaine and taika's vampires into one Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i would just prefer a whole new set of vampires personally i'm still gonna like give it a shot but I just, it just makes me wish I were watching the movie instead. Yeah. Where it is at this point. Have you read any reviews about it? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Today I was excited because there's another piece of news, um, TV news with Taika, is that he's going to make a TV adaptation of the movie Time Bandits, which is from the 80s, and I've never seen it, but I think it's like a cult classic. It's starring, um, like, Sean Connery and um, John Cleese are in it, for example. And um, I think it's, like, a very silly comedy, so right up his alley. Totally. So that'll be fun. Especially because he works so well in, like, the 80s. Totally. Yeah, so TBD on that as well. We are blessed for Taika. We really are so blessed. Um, okay, moving on. We tried to um, take a lot of time talking about the fun stuff, and we'll not talk a long time about the more downer stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'll start with the less of the downer, which was we watched Afterlife on Netflix. Want to give your brief overview? Yes. Um, So this is starring Ricky Gervais, and basically his wife has just died of cancer, and um, he basically, his kind of form of spiraling after that is just being... He just says he doesn't really care anymore. Like, he'll just say whatever's on his mind to anybody. And he just yeah. just doesn't care. And so it's kind of like him going through his regular life and and being basically, like, a really open jerk to, like, all of his coworkers and people that he deals with in town and stuff. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Um, this was recommended to me by a friend. They were, like, mad at me that I hadn't watched it yet. Um, so I was like, okay, Jordan, we have a recommendation. We have to watch this. And um, so here's our review. <laughs> um, I saw uh, Dua Lipa posted about it, and so did Amy Schumer. Oh, really? Yeah, they both loved it. Um, I wouldn't say I was, like mad obsessed with it or anything um 
I didn't cry at all, but I could, like, see why people would cry. Um, I agree with that. I didn't cry once. Yeah. But I, but it wasn't like I was just, like, not moved at all. Yeah. I just didn't have, like, a super emotional reaction. Same. And something else I noticed while watching it is that I liked it a lot more when I was actually paying attention. I liked it less when I was on my phone. Because I felt like most of the jokes, you kind of had to really be listening and paying attention. And, um, so, I, I liked it. I thought it was well done and different. Um, but I think it was predictable. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I definitely, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it, either. I think the predictability was rough, because literally... Every single character, even small characters, with, like, one exception, have a really neatly tied up ending at the end. Like, very... It ended up being... I thought it was actually super, um, like, tame and -hmm. almost, like, so feel-good. It was, like, sugary sweet, except for, like, the language was pretty coarse. Yeah. You know? But it was, like, pretty just kind of like a touching, heartwarming little show. Yeah. Um, there's only six episodes. Yeah, half and hour, thirty minutes. So it really breezed along. Um, but I also do love a show that's in like a small British town. Yeah, it's so it's cute. fun. I honestly, I one thing I I just wish there were more about like the quirky characters. Because one agree. of the things I really liked was he his job is for like a local paper. Yeah, like a free paper. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, how are all these employees like? How can they afford all these things? Well, he had like a nice house, <laughs> and I was confused about that too. Yeah, but um, I just had to like uh, suspend reality, I guess, for that because it was fun, and I liked when they had to go like interview wacky characters about like their weird story they wanted to get in the paper yeah i feel like those were always actually my favorite parts were yeah, the they weird were, quirky stories they came up with I they were they really were funny. funny yeah so i i really liked that aspect of it um but i mean i get why they would want to focus more on ricky gervais's character because he's like it's all about him and his like kind of journey but i feel like it could have been even shorter because i feel like from the get-go, I could see that he was a good person inside. Mm-hmm. Like, he was doing nice things, you know? Yeah. So, um, I don't feel like I needed to, like, pr- like see his um, journey as much because I felt like, I was like, oh, okay, I get this guy because, like, he's going through a horrible time and so he's acting like an a-hole, but he is really sweet, like, to his dog and he goes and visits his dad mm-hmm. and the lady in the cemetery and stuff. But um, I did like it. I thought it was just like kind of a nice peaceful change of pace yeah. of shows for yeah, us. Yeah, I agree. Um and it was like surpri- like kind of star-studded. Yeah, like, it was. He, we had two Game of Thrones people in it. Yeah. And um one Downton Abbey. Mhm. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. So, good short watch, short and sweet and I feel like it's worth watching. And I... It's like a light dark. Yeah. Because there's definitely some darkness to it. Definitely. But it, it's also very... Um, it's like not traumatizing. No. Not compared to other stuff we've Talked watched about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like good if you're in the mood for something that's not like too, sh- too, too schmaltzy, but will make you feel good about yeah. the world. Yeah. I agree. 
Um, something that will make you not feel good about the world. Moving on. We were saying that there really isn't that much more to say. Um, we watched Leaving Neverland. Literally every single person calls it Finding Neverland, mm-hmm. including I've, me. I've said that like 50 times. Yeah, I've said it. I saw uh, someone, a, a celebrity was talking about it and said it. I think it was Heather McMahon. Well, there was well, another she for sure. oh. <laughs> celebrity that like tweeted about it. Oh, Zoe Kazan. Oh, really? Yeah, she like tweeted about it and called it Finding Neverland and then followed up and she's like, I'm too distraught to remember that it's called Leaving Neverland, okay? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So, anyway, um, it's an HBO docu-series. It's two, like, hour and a half episodes. Mm -hmm. They showed it in, um, at Sundance, and in between the two episodes, they, like, had, like, doctors in the lobby if you needed to, like, talk about the trauma that you if you were Whoa. it was triggering or anything i didn't know that yeah wow and so it's pretty heavy stuff it's very like they say it like it was it's very graphic it's um i would say that it it's definitely graphic but in like a medical way you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like they're not sensationalizing anything but no. they're they're just very um What's the word that I'm looking for? Like, kind of just, like... Blunt? Blunt, yeah. So, it's Wade Robson and then James Safechuck, who were both... Um, who both previously had gone to trial with Michael Jackson and defended him, saying that nothing ever happened. And now they um, are saying that something did. And... um. It makes perfect sense as to why they would do that, because they were children. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, they, I'm sure, to their eyes, what was happening was not technically abuse, because they felt like Michael loved them, and um, what they were experiencing was, like, special to them. Right. And when they were learning that it was a bad thing, they just felt guilty mm-hmm. and felt wrong, and Michael told them at no least one, one of them, know. and that they would both go to jail forever mm-hmm. if they so said terrible. anything. So they were scared to say anything and felt like it was their fault anyway. Yeah. It's a really tough watch, but I think... I'm not going to say it's necessary for people to watch because especially people who have experienced that sort of thing, it can be triggering. But, like, it's cra- it's just crazy to me that... A whole entire society has just kind of, like, pushed aside everything they've they've known about Michael Jackson and just, like, pretended like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Especially in this Me Too movement where, like, people aren't getting away with, like, anything. It's just one of those things where it's, like, I choose to believe victims. Mm-hmm. I don't think, personally, that any fame that comes from coming forward about something like this outweighs this, like, public, like, having to relive these public humiliations. Mm -hmm. And so I am just of the mindset that, like, I I want to believe victims, and so I believe that their stories are true. Yeah, and I don't think it's fair to pick and choose victims you believe because you like that person more. Exactly. And this is why we need to reward people that don't, um, abuse powerless 
victims. Uh-huh. And it's hard because I'm also one of those people that I don't feel comfortable um, listening to the music and watching movies and shows that are from creators who this is who they are behind closed doors. Uh-huh. And it makes me sad, yeah, because, like, will I listen to Thriller at Halloween? Yeah. I don't really I want to anymore. Uh-huh. But I also feel like, um, like I was also a huge fan of the Cosby show, but I can never watch that again. Mm-hmm. Just things like that. Like, I just feel like these are the kinds of people that I want to and can cut out of my, not my life, but like kind of like my media experience. Yeah. Like you're making a choice and it's a deliberate choice and Making that choice is a lot easier than having to go through something that the victim went through. So I feel like it's the least we can do in, like, in the name of the victim. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. It was really sad. And... Well, these are... I mean, the fact that one of these boys was seven years old. It's just, like, you can't even really imagine it. No. Well, and that was one of the interesting things in the documentary was how um, their whole mindsets about their whole experience changed when they had kids, mm-hmm. when they were dads themselves. That was kind of when it all came out. Mm-hmm. They hadn't even told anyone. Because they had hardly even come to... they Well, they hadn't come to terms with it because they hadn't ever talked about it. Mm-hmm. And they just totally repressed, 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 but still had very strong confused emotions about michael but mm-hmm. like they still had love for him mm-hmm. even as and adults felt, yeah and they felt they still felt an obligation to him for like any career success they'd had different mm-hmm. things like that but then it all came to a head once they had their own kids and being like oh but if someone did that to my child i would kill that person mm-hmm. and then that it just kind of exploded because they were like oh that was wrong that mm-hmm. was extremely wrong yep it i mean it's really really heavy stuff and seeing how damaged they still are now Mm -hmm. like they're trying to live normal lives but how can you yeah and then you throw in the whole aspect of the parents who were basically enabling it because they were so um naive yeah well they were seduced by the star power as well Mm -hmm. it i mean it's totally echoes of abducted in plain sight where it's like it's a different situation because in that i think the parents were literally seduced by the um assaulter but also they were trying to save face Mm -hmm. like there was just so much like pride was involved and stuff like that and this one it's like they were seduced not literally but by like they're all, they're stage parents and so and promises mm -hmm. and like and they were given all this nice this wealth Going to Hawaii. Yeah. And, like, the fact that they were graced by this superstar's presence and stuff. Yeah. But I just I just think this has been the year of realizing never, ever let an adult sleep in a bed with a child. Nope. That is just... That's never going to be okay. That is just the bare minimum of being a, a guardian. A way you can protect a child. Just never say that that's okay. No. Under any circumstances. It's just not. I don't care who that person is. No. So, anyway. 
It's on HBO. It's pretty long. But, like, I don't... I saw something about when the creator was making the documentary, he was planning on cutting it into just be, like, one movie. And once he kind of was working on it and realized that that it was going to be two movies, he, like, showed it to them and was expecting um, the head people to be like, you got to cut this down. But they were like, no, we need it all. They did a really good job. I was actually also shocked at how all the footage they were able to use. I know. It was really effective because when you, there's so many just photos. Yeah, photos and videos. And And another thing about it, um, there was so much behavior that should have just been written off as like, you know, this is, there's something wrong here. Like the constant contact. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, even when, like, People just accepted that he called, like, an, a nine-year-old his best friend. Like, that alone is a red flag. Well, even that he was hanging out with one child at all is weird, but then the fact that there were, like, multiple is insane to me. It's like people kind of, con- like, considered it like he was Jesus or something. Well, and people were like, he didn't have a childhood. He's, like, a child at heart. And I'm like, well, then maybe he should go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that could have honestly saved so many souls and lives. It's like, yes, he was, had an abusive childhood himself, but that just never justifies. No. It's like serial killers. Like, most serial killers were abused as kids. Mm -hmm. Well, look at all the people who have overcome abuse Mm -hmm. that are able to live healthily Mm -hmm. and not carry on the cycle of abuse yep so it's just never an excuse did you ever watch that documentary real genius no there's a line that i always think of in that because it was like a uh verdict from a judge that was like basically saying that it's like we we're really sorry that you went through this and that you have these issues that you're constantly dealing with like mentally and just all sorts of things going on but that it's honestly disrespectful to use that as justification because look at how many people are surviving with severe mental illness and have been abused as well and they are not doing that well i think about that actually a lot um like in regards to like kanye west and people have been like he's bipolar and it's like a lot of people are bipolar Mm -hmm. that doesn't make and give you an excuse if anything that's just offensive to bipolar people who have bipolar disorder and are um, trying to live normal lives where that they don't use that as an excuse. It like instead of destigmatizing it, it just brings that stigma back. Exactly. And yeah, it is unfair. It's disrespectful. Yeah. Well. So yeah, heavy. It seems weird to choose a crush of the week after that. I know. I'm trying to remember who mine even was. Oh, <laughs> mine's weird. <laughs> <laughs> But we should end on a light note. Yeah, we'll end on a happy note, which is um, remembering and celebrating the good in the world. <laughs> yes. You can go first, because I can't remember who mine is. I do remember who it is, but I need to look up his name again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, my crush is... Um, it might sound weird, but... I'm excited. I rewatched. Um. A half of um, the first season of American Vandal. Mm. 
And it's Jimmy Tatro who plays Dylan Maxwell. <laughs> because I also he was a guest um on Ariel Vandenberg, who's um I know her from Vine. She's one of my faves. Um she has a podcast and he was a guest on it. And it was so funny because he's like has kind of the same sense of stupid humor like Dylan on the show, but um he is way smarter and more normal, but like just really dry in any way. I just like had a weird, a really weird crush on him this How week. How old is he? He's like twenty eight. Okay, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal. <laughs> also, it's just so funny because he really does look exactly like Harry Styles. If Harry Styles had like a like a thick thick um body football <laughs> neck. <laughs> And was American and stupid. <laughs> totally. Okay, I'm excited to hear yours. Well, mine, I um, was going to choose him last week and then I decided to save him. And I'm glad I did because I hadn't even got to the best part of him yet. So it's from Game of Thrones. I'm really sorry, but we can't not. We love it. <laughs> We're sorry. If you haven't caught on yet. We think it's and amazing. It's a TV podcast, and we're not the only ones out there. No. Clearly. There's anyway. so many. <laughs> um, his character on Game of Thrones, his name is Tormund. Mm-hmm. His actual name is Christopher. <laughs> and then It's really spelled like that. She's not just saying Christopher Weir. <laughs> no. Um, he's uh, Norwegian. So, his last name is H-I-V-J-U. Hivju? Hivju. Hivju. Perhaps. So, anyway, he is really this just, like, big, burly man. Red hair. He has red hair and a big, fat beard. He's got, like, it's actually kind of, like, wild taika hair, but red. Yeah. It's so good. He's really good, and he's He's, really hot, and his character is really funny, and he has a crush on Brienne, and um, oh, they're the, they're amazing. Yeah, I just really love them and him, and I hope he has a bigger role next season. I know. I'm scared they're gonna kill him just because he's so like he's like a loved character, but it would be easy to be. Killed. But at least they'll probably let him kiss Brienne first. Yeah, they have to. They're the best, and they're not even a couple. Um, also, he's going to be in that new movie with Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I love her so much, and I have a hard yeah. time saying her name sometimes. I know, it's a mouthful. But, um, yeah, he's going to be in that movie. Yeah, and it looks Ferrell. like Yeah, and it looks like um, he's going to be hot in that, too. Mm-hmm. Which is so, cool. <laughs> which is cool. Love hot people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's... It's, it's like, comic relief is um, hard to come by in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And it's... Everything he says is hilarious. Yep. Because it's so unexpected because it's such a serious show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's great. I love him. Good choice. Thank you very much. It was funny when um, we felt we each felt like we had to, like, admit to each other that <laughs> we had the hots for him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, maybe everyone does. And I think actually everyone does. Well, he is hot. Yeah. He it's is. just so outside my normal type. Like, yeah. I usually don't like beards like that. But in the context of Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's a wilding. Yeah. Anyway. So funny. Okay. We went, like, meathead route this week. Yeah, we did. So odd for us, but... Yeah, we're usually twigs. We like the twigs. We like boys that are, like, could wear smaller pant size than me. Yep. 
every time. <laughs> Hopefully this is mixed with happy and sad and mm-hmm. um we brought it back to life at the end. Yeah. Hope you guys feel better. Have a good rest of your week. <laughs> we love you. Okay, bye. <laughs>